archivers made possible with a grant from Humanities Kansas. It's November 8th, 1996, just three days after Bob Dole got pasted by Bill Clinton for president. We couldn't be uh, more pleased to have our uh, next guest uh, with us tonight, folks. Do me a favor, please welcome the five-term senator from Kansas, Bob Dole. Bob! There has never been a politician just as comfortable and formidable marking up legislation as they are on late-night TV. Election week found the Letterman Show in Washington. As Dole walked out, the crowd was on its feet. He looked remarkable for a 72-year-old man who spent the last 96 hours of the campaign in 15 states, from New Jersey to New Mexico. The headline in the Washington Post, good old Bob Dole, back on Letterman. Bob, what have you been doing lately? Not, <laughs> uh, apparently not enough, but in any event. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> I had a question for the president. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how about two out of three? <laughs> People who worked with Dole and reporters who covered him knew he was truly a funny guy. But out on the campaign trail, voters didn't see enough of that Bob Dole. Well, the reason I came back tonight because I unofficially announced on your program in February 95, and I want to know what went wrong. <laughs> what did, you're not holding me responsible you here. Right? If I came on the show, everything would be fine. <laughs> but at least... I get 200 bucks for being here tonight. First work I've had. boy, good for you. Was this the real Bob Dole? Was he not the partisan hatchet man we thought? Turns out, it's very, very complicated. The podcast is Archiver, The Man from Russell, episode last, Legacy. Me. I'm your host, Sam Zeff. I wanted to know more about Dole and his humor, especially the Letterman appearance after the 96 election. So I talked to Walt Riker, my old KU classmate, and Dole's longtime Senate press secretary. I was around Dole 24 7 for 13 years, literally every day. And the one liners, you know, all day long. And he was the funniest guy, you know, I'd ever been around. Uh, he, he had that kind of Midwestern shore up one-liner that you'd hear, you know, guys sitting around in Cracker Barrels at the, at the creamery and, the, you know, the grain elevator and all that stuff. And, and he, w- he was incredible. It was kind of like Johnny Carson and uh, the, the, these great uh, Midwestern comedians, if you will. You know, he had that kind of wit. But then at the same time, he was incredibly serious, mm-hmm. you know, really, really serious. And it was a no-nonsense approach to what he had to do as a senator. And so we saw both sides. He was certainly serious with us sometimes. It was so serious, you know, he wanted to, wanted to hide somewhere. But uh, uh, so that was uh, one of his biggest challenges and drawbacks when he became, you know, a national candidate in 80, 88, and even 96, because he was so very serious and came off that way. You know, he was talking on all those Sunday talk shows, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, funny stuff. And he had that kind of very serious look to him. So people didn't really know what the real Bob Dole was like because when he got into the political issues and all of that, he he came off as extremely serious. But on the other hand, people really never saw that incredible comedic side. So fast forward, once he lost 
the race, and then he then he had the kind of the vision to to come out, if you will, as a comedian. All the pressure was off, and so in his kind of uh, incredible media instincts that he had, he said, "Yeah, this is the right thing to do." While others, I think that there was discussion of, you know, why would you do it? It's too early, and you know, and you. And, if it doesn't come off, maybe you'll look like a sore loser. I don't know, but I had a lot of faith in Dole that he knew what he was doing, and he was a hell of a funny guy. And so once you saw him, like you just indicated, once you saw him with Letterman or Leno or any of the other talk show people, it's like, God, this guy is, is killing it. And once the world saw that, and he didn't have to carry all the political baggage, and he was a, a, a funny guy who showed you didn't have to be a, a sore loser. And so he did break the mold. And uh, to imagine that Jay Leno would call him, he would call us and pick up the phone and, hey, this is Jay Leno. You know? I said, you're kidding me. You know, I, it, it, Leno called. And I'd go into the center and say, Jay, Jay, Leno, Jay Leno wants to talk to you. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. But uh, that's really the 360-degree Bob Dole that you know, people finally saw. Joining me now is archiver historian Virgil Dean. And Virgil, we've talked in this space several times about presidential candidates from Kansas, politicians from Kansas. And I'm wondering where you think Bob Dole fits in that upper tier. Uh, we've talked about Alf Landon, of course, who's run for president, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, who was president, uh, and of course, Bob Dole has to join that group. And where do you think he fits in that group? Well, I, I think you have to put him at the top or, or certainly right next to the top. Uh, Eisenhower is obviously nationally significant more, perhaps, because, and more better known because of his wartime accomplishments and also the presidency. But once he left Kansas, he doesn't have too much to do with Kansas. A lot of support. I mean, Dole considered himself an Eisenhower Republican. So when he wrote, when he came up to the ranks, uh, next to that would be Alf Landon, and I suppose in different ways you could argue Dole versus Landon in terms of level of importance. But in the 20th century, uh, I think that those would be the two people that I can think of that would be uh, up at the top of the list. Certainly there are the two people that aspire to the presidency, uh, Dole for longer than Alf Landon, but then Alf, once he comes back to Kansas after, or stay, stays in Kansas after the 36 defeat, uh, he's a wheeler and dealer in Kansas politics from then on, perhaps more on the local level than Dole was. So I see that as kind of a a hard one to balance. Not the wheeler dealer Alf Landon was. It's not that Dole didn't know Kansas politics. He knew all the county Republican chairmen, knew who was running for what, but chose to not wheel and deal back home. I asked Kansas City Star editorial writer Dave Helling, who covered Dole in Washington as a TV reporter in the 80s, about that. I think he understood this about Kansas. First of all, he protected Kansas on important things like agriculture. You know, he was still... He, you know, keep his hand in the Ag Committee, and he sort of, you know, paid attention to the price of weed and did all of those things. And he had a pretty good constituent service staff, as most most senators do. But he also understood, I always thought this was very canny of him, too, that Kansans liked his national profile. 
It was like, can't you know, it's like the Jayhawks, number one, you know. Well, our senator is number one. And that when he transitioned away from being just sort of a local politician to a more national figure, he believed, and it proved to be right, that the voters of Kansas would grant him that, would go along with that because they were proud when he was on Meet the Press. They, they, their chest puffed up a little bit on Face the Nation or in the New York Times or in pictures next to Ronald Reagan, you know, in the Rose Garden. I'm always interested in hearing how did a, how did a guy from Russell, Kansas, become so savvy about the media, a man who was just as comfortable on Meet the Press as he was on Saturday Night Live. How in the world did that happen? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, some of it is natural, innate. I mean, he was just, I think he's he naturally had, a smart man, wasn't he? A, he was very smart. B, he worked very, very hard. People just don't get, and if you're talking to his staff members, I'm sure they've told you, it was a seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-a-day operation. And if there was a moment of downtime, Bob Dole would fill it. So the Dole legacy includes hard work, keeping Kansas politics at a bit of an arm's length, and a funny side that was often suppressed while in office. But for many Kansas Republicans, the Dole legacy is tarnished by a man who continues to agitate American politics right this minute. former Republican presidential nominee Robert Dole. I'm sitting outside the family box here. It's a bit of a unique situation because I can't quite reach him, and for security reasons we need someone to pass him the mic. But thank you for joining us. Senator Dole, thank you for joining us. I want to ask him if you could pass on to him. Um, ask him how he thinks he is like Mr. Trump, and in what ways does he think Mr. Trump is different? That's Lisa Desjardins from PBS at the 2016 National Republican Convention in Cleveland. The night before Donald Trump was nominated, Dole is sitting next to Donald Trump Jr. Well, I like Donald Trump because he's a strong leader and he is someone who can work with Congress. If you can't work with Congress, you can't get anything done. And I don't know, there are a lot of similarities between my days in the Senate and what Donald is proposing. If there's anything that sticks in the craw of many people close to Dole, it was his endorsement of Trump twice. Kim Wells was a longtime Dole aide and a supporter for even longer. Where were you with that? Yeah. I wish he hadn't endorsed Trump because uh, I certainly wasn't supporting Trump. I think in terms of the Senate, I take a different view of Senate races and the presidential race, especially with someone like Trump. Who's clearly unsuited for the job. In a Senate race, you're trying to get a majority to control the agenda. All, all the 51 votes you need aren't going to be perfect. And uh, that's sort of the way I vote, frankly. Uh, on the Senate, unless someone is as awful as Donald Trump, I will still, in most cases, vote for the Republican, even though they may have views on 
abortion different than mine and a couple other things. It also sticks in the craw of Kansas State Senator David Haley, a Republican-turned-Democrat whose family was close politically and personally to Dole. Haley is one of the few African-Americans in the Kansas legislature. His father, George Haley, was also among that few and had a long and storied career in Washington after getting a big boost from Bob Dole. There's no doubt that Bob Dole was first and always a Republican, never more so, it seems to me, than when he endorsed Donald Trump. And I'm wondering how that sets with you and how it may have set with your dad. Excellent observation. Um, Frankly, uh, my ability to follow Bob Dole um, blindly um, wearied over the years. I watched him devolve into pure partisanship when the Republican Party disintegrated into not that which was its high point or the greatness, one that was truly not led by a demagogue or by some ideology that didn't make sense as the Trump administration uh, has not to so many people, you know, irrespective of party label. Many people just simply don't understand an allegiance to something like a Trump. It has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. It has to do with the tenor of person that pays attention to issues and judges the mood of inclusion and opportunity and enhancement. Kindness, maybe? Kindness, civility. And so seeing uh, or watching my favorite uh, U.S. senator, regardless of uh, where he happened to be from, I'm a Kansan, become a rubber stamp for anything with an R behind it, with seemingly no forethought as to what it meant. Uh, caused me to second guess his reason, and I guess that's what happens to many of us as we as we age. As it becomes just easier, it becomes simpler, just to not do your homework and just say, "Let me go with the the label or the tag that I I thought was relevant." Did I mention how complicated this all is? Was the Dole endorsement of Trump a lack of homework, as Haley suggests? Or simply because Dole was a fierce partisan who couldn't bring himself to back a Democrat? Emporia State political scientist Michael Smith, who studied all of this, says no. And he told me something I knew nothing about. I want to wrap up with the last few years of his life where he couldn't seem to back away from his voter registration. (laughs) The more lasting issue with some is that he wouldn't denounce Donald Trump. And so why do you think, one, that was, and and two, what does that do to his legacy? Well, uh, there are a few different ways to cut that issue. Uh, One is with the analogy of today to the Watergate hearings, and Dole was also loyal to Nixon to the end. Um, I think one issue, Sam, is that loyalty was simply a core value to Dole in and of itself. And he made a commitment to the Republican Party. The other piece on the Trump relationship, of course, is that it paid very handsome dividends. He, uh, after retiring, uh, was a lobbyist for the government of Taiwan. 
And uh, that Trump relationship, like so much of what Bob Dole did in his public life, was strategic. And um, as it happened, uh, when the many in the conventional wisdom pundit crowd were still shocked on election night uh, 2016 by Trump's victory, uh, while people were still processing it, um, Donald Trump got a congratulatory call from the president of Taiwan. And that has Bob Dole's fingerprints all over it. So, no, I don't think Donald Trump represents the same kind of politics that Bob Dole does. But I think that Bob Dole was a consummate Washington insider getting things done for his constituents right up until the end. How do I, a native Kansan who is quite partial to his home state, feel about Bob Dole, a politician who I covered and, in all honesty, voted for a couple of times? You can't help but be proud, your chest puffs out a bit, as Dave Helling said, of a small-town guy who rose to the top of the political world and accomplished so much. You have to admire his actions as a platoon leader on Hill 914 in Italy, as described by Mark Zwanitzer. Actions that grievously wounded a young man who, as an older man, would remember his struggles and help pass the Americans with Disability Act. But I'm left to struggle with Dole's endorsement of Donald Trump. During election time, it's clear the partisan politician ruled and the statesman took a back seat. Maybe nobody, as David Haley suggested, could have seen all of this turmoil coming. Or maybe it was just Dole being Dole. He joined the Republican team in 1950. And if that meant backing Nixon, Trump, or whoever, well, that was Dole's version of loyalty. All I know for sure is that it's very, very complicated. And that's our series. Archiver is produced by Virgil Dean and Scott Richardson in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City. Archiver is made possible with a grant from Humanities Kansas and is a production of Do Good Productions, where Gene Johnson is executive producer. Thanks to the staff at the Dole Institute at the University of Kansas. I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on our next season of Archiver. <laughs>